It's good to be back. We've been back many times, and according to my records, I looked right before coming in the door. We were here in 92 to report, which means, according to my notes, that should mean we were here in 88 on deputation. And so the church has been behind us since the very, very beginning, and we met on the hill in that little building up over there, and that was a long time ago. And so it is, we are here, we were back in, in 2019, so it's been four years now, and we're back doing the same thing as then, and that is to thank you for allowing us to be a part of your missions and your outreach program. And so that's our one, really our main, our main purpose. Uh, Mimi and I are now traveling, obviously, by ourselves because our four children are married, as you'll see, and we have grandchildren and all of those fun things. But now it's just the two of us as we go to report to churches in, in, in a lot of cases that have been with us over three decades and have been faithfully and generously supporting the ministry that we have in northern Spain. So, uh, okay, you do have a clock for me up there, good. So, uh, you can see up on the screen, right? If you can read that, it says, thank you, Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. So, uh, pastor and uh, congregation, we wanna thank you for that. The Lord is at work, has been at work, and if you have prayed for us, God has answered your prayers. And, we don't, often, we don't often get to see how the Lord answers prayer, right? Especially in missions. You pray many times for requests, and maybe, maybe you never even hear whatever happened to that issue that I was praying for, you know? Does that ever happen? Probably. Uh, so there are, there's a couple of ways you can avoid that if you want, at least uh, where we're concerned. And so I'd like to... Like to uh, I'm going to show some, some pictures that will bring you up to date on what what the ministry is there in northern Spain. But first of all, I'd like to tell you what's on the table. If you're interested in going by and getting something, why, uh, that'll be great. Uh, sometimes pastors now will say, you know, what is, what is, how can we improve our commitment or our communication or our ministry to you as missionaries? And I often didn't really know what to say. I said, oh, you do fine. But Recently, I've had, a, I've had another answer for them, and it really is, after, after thinking it through, this, this really is the best way that a church congregation can increase their, their ministry uh, to us, and that is simply by signing on to the email reports, or second, even better, if you're familiar with the little app, the, the, the smartphone app called WhatsApp, if you're familiar with that, in, in Europe, everybody uses WhatsApp. And it's a simple little app that allows you to text, uh, send videos, audios, call, call, video calls. It does basically everything. And so I send, and some of, some of the ladies here, a few are on that list, on that WhatsApp list. And so you will get things every week straight from the mission field. In fact, if we have a special event, if we have a special need, all of a sudden, uh, I'll send it out immediately. And wherever you are, if you have your phone with you, you'll get a prayer request or a praise or something unusual uh, right on the spot. 
and so I use that all the time. I'm on it all day long, pretty much, but I send out uh, things every week. So if you're interested in that, and you would like to be a part of your church, increasing perhaps its ministry to us, uh, then I would say go back and please sign up for the email or give me your phone number because that's how WhatsApp connects, and uh, we'll connect later with that, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get on WhatsApp together, and I'll put you on the broadcast, and then every time we send something out, you'll get it. If you're interested in that, I'm interested in you being interested in that, and so uh, have at it. The list is back there. We'll get more paper out if we need to. Then there are a number of things out there. You have a typical prayer card if you're interested in that, but then there are some books, and there are a couple of CDs. Let me explain the CDs. We have a good number of CDs. These CDs are for you for every... If you have children or grandchildren, take a CD, okay? If you want to leave a dollar, you can. But it, honestly, we have a bunch of them, and hardly anybody uses CDs anymore, and I'm sort of trying to get rid of them. So that doesn't mean you can take a stack of them, but do, do make use of them until they're no more, okay? And there are two CDs. One of them is the Ayerdi Miracle, Produced by our family many years ago, probably 20 years ago. And it, is, it tells a story sort of to children about how God gave us the farmhouse that you'll see pictures of in a, little, in a few minutes. That's the Ayer the Miracle. And then the other is called Pull Up a Chair. And it's another story done by our uh, MKs, our kids and some of the other MKs there. And it tells another very unusual story of what God did there. So if you're interested, if you have... I mean, even if you don't have children, it's a good one, I think. I think you'd enjoy it. But anyway, it is, it is for children more because it's done by our kids uh, and us as we sing and tell the story of how God gave us that farmhouse. So then let me just explain the books that are. Some of you already have these books from, from past, but there are a few, uh, I think, that are new since last time. So um, one, of the, one of the ones is the Ayer the Miracle. That's the story of the farmhouse. This is a new edition. It has some pictures in the back. So if you're interested, it's got some QR codes as well for you to go to websites and so forth. The Ayer the Miracle is back there. Then there is there's a book called The Joy of Missions. And it is written by my father-in-law, Mimi's dad. Mimi was born in Mexico a long time ago. And her parents were on the mission field for over 50 years. And so when they were in, um, they were in Mexico, then Chile, and then Spain... And her dad has a very active, humorous bone to him. And so all of the stories have some humor, but they're from those three different mission fields and some from the States. There are over 40 stories from the mission field. Okay? So if you're interested in that, there's the, I th they're a bunch of fun. That'll be back there. Again, if any of them run out, let us know. I think I, have, I should have plenty to, to um, if the ones on the table run out. Then, let's see. Then there is one called The Range of Grace, this bluish thing, and that has 31 devotionals from the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. And uh, they're short, may be something you're interested in. Then the next one is a tiny one, it's called Inner Peace, and this is a little book that I wrote, it's the, it's the story of Nicodemus, and it's a gospel booklet. It's not for you, it's for you to give away, <laughs> okay? That's what I do anyway, I give them out everywhere, it, whenever we... Eat somewhere, whoever serves or whatever. Now, people don't say no to a book. Sometimes to a track, they will, but to a book, they won't. And so, uh, when I've, before giving these out, I get used to give out uh, Billy Graham's uh, 
Secret of Personal Peace, I think it was called. I gave out a couple hundred of those to, to, to that many people, got their names, never had a person say no, never. All, and almost everyone would say thank you, and sometimes uh, they would say, you know what, I really need that right now. And so if you're, if you're interested in those, there's a, I have a bunch of these. What, what do the books cost? If you have and want to give $5 for the books, great. That'll cover the costs, okay? Uh, the smaller one is less. It's only about three will cover all of it. If you don't have anything with you, forget it. Just take a book. Please take one, at least one, and I would suggest the last one, which is the new book we just published in September. It's called The Wonder of Prophecy. This is not eschatology. It's not about end times. It's about what in the world is prophecy? It is an incredible genre. It is something, uh, it is an infinite God speaking to finite man. How on earth do you do that? What is that? It's what it is. It's a, basically a study of prophecy throughout the whole Bible. It's not very, not very big, but it might be something that interests you. So I'm going to quit talking about the table back there, but it's back there. These things are there and also the sign-up list for you to sign up either for the email or for the WhatsApp, okay? Sound good? Okay, I hope some of you or many of you will sign up and I'll have to pull out more paper, okay? Let's go to some of the pictures. Some of them were, you're going to recognize because if you've been here before, because the older pictures don't change, but then there's plenty of new stuff as well. Okay, it's a lot bigger back here. Okay, there we go. Uh, let me go forward. In 1997, uh, we had a printing ministry. God gave us a printing press. And we printed literature for our entire province of Gipuzkoa, tiny province, not very big. But it had about 85 towns in it, towns and in, in, in small cities. And we had the press because that was the cheapest way to get literature, to put in all of the mailboxes, something we could do there legally, of all of these towns. So the Lord gave us four children when we were first here in 88 or 89, we only had David. He was a tiny little boy. And then, but when we got to Spain, then God gave us Danny, Mark, and Rachel. So we have three boys and a girl. And I'll tell you a little bit more about them later. But right there, they're helping me count or fold tracks uh, back in the 90s, okay? So with the Lord in 97 as well gave us coworkers the, this couple is Juan and Tete Alvarez. They are Mexican missionaries to Spain. And they have been with us for about 20, 27 years now. And uh, very faithful. And they're, they're there now, as, as well as a few others. And so God was good to give us early on co-workers because he knew we needed them for what was coming. And so that was not, not something we were looking for. It just happened. So like so many other things on the mission field. <laughs> they just happened. The Lord took over. Okay, so this is, our, this is the year 2000. We've been there a little over 10 years. And that's the church. That's the congregation. And over half of those are Americans or are missionaries. Okay? So two years later... Uh, two years later, here's our 
let me see if I can get it. There, whoops, went too far. There. That's our congregation in 2002, and you can see it hasn't grown very much in spite of tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of tracts and cam evangelistic campaigns and sacred concerts, and it just uh, very, very few people uh, were getting saved. But the Lord began to work, and in the early 2000s, by 2010, there was a marked difference. And so the next, this one is a picture of a recent Sunday. And you can see it's, it's a good bit different. There are many, many people now that are uh, growing in the Lord, newly saved. Um, we have a lot of immigrants. And in that picture, on a typical Sunday, we have at least at least 15 nationalities, and what they call first-generation nationalities. In other words, people who are from Venezuela or from Honduras or from, you know, uh, Romania or from Africa. And every, every Sunday service, we have at least 15. It probably gets closer to 20 on some. And so we have a very, very... Um, international congregation. The beautiful thing is you would never know it. Other than the features, you would never know it. It is one family. Years ago, right before coming on furlough, I took seven pictures of seven groups, seven, seven uh, conversations going on. In the, in the, in, between services. And I thought, I'm just going to show our people just how the people are, uh, you know, having fellowship between the services. And so I started showing those seven pictures, and I noticed a few weeks into it, I, I looked at the, the seven pictures, and I thought, oh, wow. In all of those conversations, never are two people from the same country talking to each other. All seven were conversations between people from different countries. And then it was later on, I don't know how many weeks later on, I looked at it again, and I thought, wait a minute, click, click. sure enough, all seven were conversations between people from different continents. Go figure. I had not planned it, but that's the way it is. So it's, it's, it is an amazing thing to see how the gospel unites ethnic groups. It's really pretty. And if you go and you're there, that is one of the comments I most often receive from mission teams that come and people... They say, wow, the people this love each other. And they do, even though they're from different, different um, nationalities. So, okay, let me see. These, uh, this is a, a men's meeting. Oh, we started this year, actually, on Saturday mornings. Uh, we are in a, the phase of ministry that we're in right now is that of training leadership. We're training, training, training. Men, women, young people for the work of the ministry. Lord willing, one day we'll, we'll be able to, to install a national uh, pastor who can lead the work. Right now, we don't have anybody like that. We have people trained, but none of them are candidates for, for that, that kind of responsibility yet. But, the, but we do have believers in every other aspect of the ministry faithfully, faithfully serving. And it's a blessing to see that. So we have that. Um, this, is, uh, this is Mimi um, teaching the ladies on Sunday morning. Uh, in the ladies' class. This is one of our young men who is a preacher. He is learning to preach. Again, tremendous amount of baggage from the, his life in the world. And so, candidate for pastoral, I don't know. I don't think so. But anyway, we'll see. That's, those are things that are hard to, hard, to, hard to figure out sometimes. So we're just 
looking to the Lord for wisdom. But he is, he is, uh, he's at the pulpit there, and that congregation is the congregation that our son, our oldest son, David, pastors about 30 minutes away for us, from us. I'll say a little bit more about that later. Mimi, uh, among other things, she teaches uh, flute, and that's one of the young, the young ladies who has learned and plays with her along with the services. These are some of our young people uh, growing up in an extremely secular pagan society, as you may well uh, know of even here in some cases, and yet they are, they are growing in the Lord. They're shining strong testimonies, even though they have a lot to deal with. Uh, these four, the four in the middle of the, that group were baptized back in May, four adults. Each one of them has a story that I could... I could go on for 10 or 15 minutes and you would say, wow, that's amazing. Because, yeah, they just, they're, so, they're so different one from another in how God has brought them to, to his son and, and saved them. And then this May, they, um, they were all baptized. Okay, so this is the farmhouse that I was mentioning earlier. The Lord gave it to us in the year 2000. That's what it looked like. It's about 300 years old. Don't know the exact dates because nobody in that particular case scratched it on a wall anywhere or chinked it in a rock like they did in some others. But they were all more or less around that time. So it was unusable when we got it. If that looks rough, inside it was worse. Uh, it was unusable. So it, but God had a plan. We didn't know anything about the farmhouse. We did, that was all God's planning. But it came to us, and God gave it to us, and we didn't know that he was going to start something called mission teams. And mission teams started coming to help us. And uh, to date, we've had over 70 mission teams come. And many of them have come to work and to put that into usability. And so that's a picture from, a, from the drone, and you can see the farmhouse here on the bottom right. And the, the landslide pastor was talking to is right there. It's starting to get green grass and everything. That's a whole story. I could be on that for a while. But God has done amazing things through what you would think and what looked like a total disaster. But God did wonderful things through that thing. A uh, bunch of mud. Okay. Let's see. Whoops. Went too fast. Okay. That's the farmhouse smack in the middle from the mountain in front looking at the farmhouse. You can see we're in a mountainous area. This is a picture taken from the mountain behind the farmhouse. You've got a bigger one. Yeah. You can see it a lot bigger than this screen. That's our town, the one we live in, which is Thegama. It's 1,500, 1500 people. And there are towns all up and down these valleys. And there are 15 small and large towns that, that we directly um, deal with, giving them the gospel. And then if you can see, some of you, if you can see the orange spot down there in the bottom right, can you see that? That's the roof. That's the farmhouse. And so anybody who comes, weather permitting, if they want to, they can take a hike up the mountain to the top of the, to the, top of the mountain behind us. And I have a book, and if you do that, you get to sign the book, along with about 700 other people who have done it. And it's a, it's a hefty hike, but it'll show up a little bit more in another picture later. But that's, you see the area. And one of the things that God does, and I think I probably showed these slides, this particular one, uh, four years ago, maybe. But this is one of the inside parts of the farmhouse. There were ten. Ten parts this big. Ten, ten sections. And this was a bottom floor. The bottom, none of it had concrete or, or uh, flooring. It had mountain. 
And in this particular case, manure, because that's where cattle were. You can see the troughs on either side, and the cattle had their tails in the middle, and they ate on the sides, you know, and that's what it was when we got it. It was a dining room for cattle. Nowadays, it's a dining room, but a dining room for people who come to the intensive institutes. And so you can see it full there with 70 or 80 adults who have come for one of our, either a retreat or an intensive institute. So there have been some changes, like when God takes over a life, usually the life changes, right? If you're saved, he probably changed your life a good bit. When he takes over a building, an old building like that, changes happen too. And so you can see how um, every part of the building has been transformed from useless to a ministry tool, and that's what it is. It's a big ministry instrument that we use quite often. For example, that room, okay, we're taking the roof off, okay, so that's just the, the old beams. On the floor there, you can see the busted tiles that we threw down, but think of that as a ceiling, and below it is the picture that I just showed you, okay? So the dining room is right under there, and this is a room on top of it that we call the Abraham Room. And if you read the book or hear the story, you'll know why we call it the Abraham Room. But this is what the Abraham Room looks like now, as in a month ago for one of our uh, intensive institutes. This was on the book of Exodus. It's full of adult believers who have come in for a solid day of Bible teaching. And again, uh, the entire farmhouse has been completely renovated to whatever it used to be for animals, cattle, or machinery, or whatever. It's now being used for, for the ministry. Uh, that has been done through mission teams. I just put up this picture. This is one of the teams that came this summer. And that one was specifically from Michigan. And they came and did a bunch of work. They served in the church. They preached. They taught. They sang. And we took them to see some, some really neat things in the area. And that is a ministry that God's given us that we never knew or never thought about when we were here first. But that's, that's the way the Lord has, has worked in our case. This is our missionary teen retreat. Some of you know about this and have followed these that was last year's. We are now, we have them every December, and we are now preparing for the 18th, which uh, begins on the 6th, I think, a month from tomorrow. And what that is, it is a retreat, or you could call it a camp, I guess. It's a retreat for missionary kids, MKs from all over Europe. They come in. It is the only thing they ever go to that is for them. And them being sort of special kids who come here to the States every once in a while and they don't feel at home here. They don't connect very well with the young people here because they're from a different country. But then in their, in their foreign country, they're not from there either. They're foreigners there, so they call them third culture kids. And so we, we have designed a retreat for them. And the, the purpose for the retreat is to, to show them to convince them, with the Lord's help, that they are not uh, underprivileged. They are actually very privileged uh, by God to have grown up in a family that is on the mission field preaching the gospel. And so we have, like I say, we have our 18th coming up. We have a, a pastor friend from inner city Chicago, or uh, inner city Philadelphia, sorry, coming to, to be the special guest. They get a ton of preaching but then they get a ton of good food and good games, and it's just a blast. And usually, not a one of them wants to go home. 
on the following Wednesday. They would beg us to keep it going for another week. So it's a, it's a good ministry that God has given us. Here is, uh, this is one of our apologetics retreats um, sessions. And the thing there is our son David is teaching that one. And um, he helps us out with that ministry, which is uh, in Easter every year now. This is the Gospel Postcard Project. Every year, almost every year, this is going to, that was our, last year's was our 13th. We're right now doing our, preparing for our 14th Christmas. What we do is we design a postcard that has a, just a kind of a Merry Christmas on the front of it and a theme. And then on the back, it has, uh, in two languages, Spanish and Basque, it has a brief little uh, gospel-oriented paragraph that tells, that gives the message that the Lord Jesus is the, whatever the theme is that year. This year, he is the Prince of Peace. And so the whole thing, in fact, my son David wrote, wrote it, and we're right now finalizing the, the words for it, but it's, you know, it's a, very, it's a very appropriate theme for the time we're living in, right? Uh, the Prince of Peace. And so he's written a kind of a, almost a poem where he is saying, there is only one person who can give you peace, and that is Jesus. And so we give them, we give them information from the, the, the three different churches that are in the area, uh, in the province rather. And so it is a way that we can get a tiny seed of the gospel in every home. We'll be doing 40, at least 40,000 this year going into that many homes where we could not get into otherwise for the most part because nowadays it's all behind electronic, electronic gadgets and so it's very difficult to get in anymore. So these go in with the post office. And the, the way we, uh, the way we uh, pay it is that we have a project that you, if you get on the email list, you'll hear about. And all of the towns, there's about 30 towns. They're all different sizes and we have a... We have the list of towns and how much it costs for a person or a church to sponsor one town and pay for the printing of the postcards and the postage for that town. Some small towns would be 30 or $40. Bigger towns could be 200 or $300. But every single year so far, we have finished the project with extra funds that we've been able to apply again and increase it each year because a lot of friends from churches like yours um, have just gotten on board and every year they will, they will, I'll send out these, this email and there's a website you can go and you can see which ones are still available and then someone will say, okay, they'll send me an email and say, we'll take uh, Lego Reta and so I'm sending whatever, $75 into the mission for that and that money then goes to the project and we're able, around Christmas time, to be able to send, have the post office send all these. So that's a, that's a project that, that we do every year as the Lord allows. And um, we didn't do it during COVID one or two years, but we did all, all the rest. And then now we're about, about at the end now. This, this picture, uh, Mimi's in the middle. One of our coworkers is on the right. And in the red is a lady, she's from Bolivia. She's a wonderful believer. She's in the red. And she lives in a city about 50 minutes from us. It's the capital. It's the parliamentary capital of the Basque Country. She lives there and she travels at least two hours to get to our services on trams and buses or trains and then walks. 
That's just to get there. And then she goes back the same way, you know. And the reason she does it is because there's no solid Bible preaching church that she can go to in her city. And we've known that for years, but we haven't really had a, an open door. We are now actively praying and actively looking into the possibilities of starting a Bible study with her and letting that then expand into another, into another church plant. That's our prayers. I really believe it's time now, and the Lord has, has prepared the way through this lady. Her name is Esther, like I think I told you. Same as the <clears throat> character in the Bible, the book of the Bible, es- Esther. And so if you'd pray with, uh, pray with us for her, and that she will be able to find us a place where we can have a Bible study, that would be awesome. Uh, let me see here. Okay, we'll, let's finish real quickly with our children once again. This is David, Danny, Mark, and Rachel. That was obviously many years ago. And so now this is David our oldest, and his wife, Raquel, she is the daughter of a Spanish pastor in close to the city of Valencia. Maybe some of you have heard of that city on the, on the Mediterranean coast. They have three children. They live about 50 minutes from us, and he pastors that church that I showed you in, a, in an earlier picture. It was a little church plant, and they've taken it over a few years ago, and it's already uh, starting to, to grow, and they've got a thriving little um, group of believers, and they've had them baptisms, and so that's going very well. We're very, ex- we're very happy for him. He has three, three grandchildren. The newest of our grandchildren is a little boy. Uh, his name is Aiden. And then this is Danny. This is our second son. He married Jordan, and they have Clara and Gabe. They live five, min- five minutes from us, and Danny is involved in everything in our ministry, church side, as well as the farmhouse, uh, yeah, he's just, he's got an engineer's brain and he loves tools. He's the easiest person in the world to buy Christmas gift for. Just a tool and he's happy and he's got a bunch of them. And, but he uses them and he's a, uh, basically took my, my dad's position <laughs> who for years was the one who built and helped everyone with their, with their uh, construction needs and so forth. So that's Danny and his family. And then... We have Mark and Rachel, or Mark and Andrea, sorry. Mark and Andrea live in Greenville, South Carolina, and we see them now on furlough about every day, and we enjoy it. Had supper with them last night, and it's, a, it's one of the huge blessings of being home for a few weeks, and they are very active in their good church there in Greenville, South Carolina. And then our daughter, Rachel, married Ethan, and they have four, grandchil- four of our grandchildren, and they live about an hour south of Greenville. So... God has been very good to us. We are so thankful for our children. Each one of them loves the Lord and is active in their church. And, and we have uh, wonderful grandchildren as well, <laughs> as you might imagine. Okay, let's see. My parents uh, retired about, I think it's nine years ago, and they're in Washington State. And they live with my brother, who works for Microsoft. They were in Spain they started the first church in our area, and our churches are spun off of that one, so to speak, at least legally. Um, and so they, uh, they were there for over 40 years and have relatively good health for being in their 80s. And then Mimi's parents, her mother uh, went to be with the Lord three years ago, and her dad is Flay Allen. He's 89, and he's the one that wrote this book that I was telling you about, and he is in crazy good shape for being 89 because he climbed that mountain that I was telling you about. Last month, no, not last month, September, he was in Spain, visited us, 
And he went up there with Mimi. It's crazy. I don't know how long it took him. It took him a while. I think he went at his own pace, but good grief. That was amazing. So, but anyway, uh, all that to say, he's the, he's the one that, uh, if, you read, if you get that book uh, uh, from the mission field, he, he wrote that. And he's traveling now. He's traveling all the time. He's the director of, the, of a mission board. And uh, God has given him good health. Okay, uh, that's it. Okay, what do we have? 6.54. We got five minutes. Um, I have five minutes. Uh, let's see. What should I do, Pastor? Open the scripture or go for uh, questions? <laughs> Are there any questions real quick? No, not real quick. Are there any questions? Okay, I know there are, but some are a little scared to ask them, maybe. There usually are. Okay, well, let me go to this just quickly. One of the most memorized verses in all of the Old Testament, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is uh, the King James here. Why don't we look at this for just a minute, and then we'll close, okay? Would you read it with me? Let's, pray. Let's read. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. How many of you have memorized that verse before? Okay, wow, yeah, everywhere. It's, uh, it's a powerful verse. I'd like to just look at it in three ways really quickly. First of all, those two parts there are basically parallel. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. What is your heart? I think I heard somebody say the mind. Basically, yes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We, we know that it's not the heart that's pumping. It is the mind. It is our person, the person that God has made us. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Basically, very quickly, what this is saying is that we know what it means to trust, at least in theory. But this is telling us that, okay, let me see. Who, who, is, who is the first person you talk to every morning? That's a hard question. It's, it's not a trick question, but it's a hard one to answer. Because some are going to say, well, the Lord. And yeah, that's true. That's the, that's the right answer. But before you speak to the Lord, who do you speak to? Sort of self, yourself, right? And you carry on a conversation with yourself all day long, right? Yeah. He, yourself goes with you to work, right? Shopping, right? Everywhere you go, you are with yourself until the night when you fade away into sleep. And then, in a sense, we are, we're into something else. We won't go into that. But we have this whole day that we're with ourselves. And when God calls us to trust in him, basically, he is saying, in all thy ways, from the very first moment until the very last moment of your day, you should be in fellowship and in conversation with God. If your Christianity does not include that, it's not Christianity. It was a different gospel you got. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes a, gives us or initiates a relationship with God. 
that starts at the very beginning of the day and goes all day long. And we are supposed to trust him in every single thing we do. Not just with our family when we wake up. That's where we are, you know, normally. When we step out, it's with our neighbors. Yeah. Every one of our neighbors. We are to trust the Lord with each one of our neighbors. With each one of the people who drives on the highway. I've been on the highway all day today. And I tell you what, sometimes it's not easy to trust the Lord and... Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. But we are to trust the Lord in all our ways with all our heart. When you get to work, it's not too hard to trust the Lord concerning some, but concerning others. When we start looking at the nitty-gritty of daily living, it's not that easy to trust in the Lord with all thine heart in all thy ways. But that's what we're called to. The next thing, notice, I put it in red. There's a warning. First there's a command, then there's a warning, and it's like, hey, well, wait a minute, and do not lean in your own understanding. What's that? Very important. If you skip this verse, if you skip this section, you miss a, a very important warning from God. <laughs> and that is don't trust yourself. And don't push your agenda. In missions, that's a big thing because we go on the, to the mission field, we have it all planned out. If you were like I was anyway, you had everything programmed and what was going to happen. It didn't. It didn't happen. Because if you're trusting God, you're also saying, Lord, you direct my paths. And when you say, Lord, direct my paths today... Sometimes he will completely change what you thought you were going to do. And, and he says, be skeptical of your own way of doing things. Trust in the Lord. Be careful with your own opinion. And then finally, and he shall direct thy paths. Do you want him to direct your paths? <laughs> Do you want to say, thy will be done or not? If you say, Lord, thy will be done, you have just basically said, mine's going to go a different way. The Lord's going <laughs> to do something else. Because for almost everyone that I've ever known who has walked with the Lord for many years, they will tell you, life didn't go as they thought it was going to go. It doesn't mean that it's all smooth or it's all bad, but it's different if God takes control. So that is the privilege of a, of a, of a Christian, is to trust in the Lord, be very skeptical of doing things my own way, and letting him direct my paths, and he will. And he'll do it in the best, he'll do it in the way it was supposed to be done. There's just nothing better than that. Let me end with four quick statements, okay? I've, we've been on the mission field, Mimi and I, for over 33 years now. And we've learned a few things, and we're learning a few things. And so I'm going to share with you four things, just four. I've got a bigger list, but I'm going to share four things 
that we've learned or that we're still learning. And maybe you can relate to some of them, or maybe, maybe they're being new to you. I don't know. But here's number one. And they're not in any logical order, okay? They're just as they go. First, God is not in as much of a hurry as I am. Did you catch that? He is not in as much of a hurry as I am. Wow. That's a biggie. And I could go into illustrations. <laughs> I bet your pastor could too. And many of you could if you've walked with the Lord. Okay, that's number one. Joseph is a great example of that, right? Not to mention Moses or David. <laughs> it's all over the Bible. Okay, next. God loves to surprise. He just loves to surprise. And he can change everything in one minute. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and let him direct your paths. Don't, you know, don't think too much of your own opinion. And he will surprise you along the way. And we have had so many surprises. I have a list. Believe me, it's a list of hundreds of them. Things that God has done that I just, yeah, he just caught us by surprise. Okay. Another one, third one. God prospers the gospel seed in his own mysterious ways. You never know how it's going to happen. You will sow the seed sometimes. Someone else will reap. You will reap. And then you find out, you know what? Someone else sowed the seed many, many years ago. That person has no idea what just happened. We had a guy, I'll take a quick, I'm a few minutes over. Uh, we had a, uh, one of our media, media men, uh, we have several here. And uh, one of the guys that runs our, our, our equipment, he was saved uh, I led him to the Lord in my car. He had come with one of our girls, one of, the, one of our young people, young girls in our youth group who went astray, went way away from God, and it was a disaster. And uh, so anyway, but she came back to the Lord. He started coming to church. He was, started coming faithfully. Anyway, I led him to the Lord, and we married them one week after their boy was born. Okay. And there was all kinds of baggage to deal with and has been. But that was like nine years ago. And they went off again into the world. We didn't see them for years. But a few years ago, they started coming back and did a public forgiveness. As she did, and then, and, and then he came back. They had divorced. It was a mess. And they started coming back. First her, then him. Then all three of them were coming every single Sunday. And so I talked with them, and we had a special service, and um, they, they uh, asked forgiveness. And this was, uh, they've been faithful now for uh, a couple of years. Well, I asked him, his name is Yon, I asked him if he would give a, give a testimony. We have one person, a believer, every Sunday comes up part of the service and gives a, gives their tes gives a testimony of something. And he, was he got, got up there, first time he'd ever given a testimony, and he said, when I was a little boy, my parents and I were walking down the street of San Sebastián, the capital city of our province, and he said, we went by a beggar man, 
who was on the ground with a basket, and he was just waiting for people to give alms, you know, give, give some money. And his parents gave him a coin. And, okay, so we're, we're listening, the congregation, we're listening to him. We've never heard this before. We didn't, we didn't, yeah, it was like brand new. And he says, so I took the coin, and I gave the coin to the, to the man on the, on the ground. And he said, that man said something. He said, in Spanish, I'll just give it to you in English, he said, God bless you, boy. God bless you. I don't know if he said boy. He said, God bless you. And Yon never forgot it. He could never get away from that phrase, God bless you. Here he is, 20, 20 years or 20-some years later, giving a testimony of God's grace in his life, having saved him finally. And he points back to that seed that was sown by who knows who of the gospel. I don't know if the person was saved or not, but he, get, he definitely, it's, God works in mysterious ways, and that is one thing that we've learned. You never know what all God, uh, he can do the most amazing things, and we have seen that. And finally, and I'll quit with this, nothing, and I've mentioned this one before, so I won't extrapolated. Nothing unites ethnic groups like the gospel. And that's something we've been able to see in our congregation. The, everyone talks about unity and this and sports and music and this, that, and the other. And yeah, if you look closely, it all blows up. But the gospel brings people together. And it's a wonderful thing to see. Our ministry is a tiny bit of your ministry. And if you are faithful to this congregation and this church and you have prayed for us and you have given to this, uh, to this ministry, then we are a part of your ministry and everything you've seen has, there's a link, it's part of your ministry. And so thank you for praying. And um, I've already gone past my time, so I'm going to shut up. But we're very, very, very grateful for your, for your support and your prayers. And we hope to connect with a bunch of you who will sign up for the emails, okay?